Spirit of God to come on our land. Reading about so many people afraid we're going to bust out into a civil war and, and war with Iran and everybody is suggesting this and that. Well, what we just saying about is exactly what we need, the power of the Holy Spirit to come on this wicked, wicked land and turn mightily to God. That's what we need in a desperate way. Amen. Brother Jim, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to be here tonight. We do thank you for the freedom we have. Yes. Father, not only in our country, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for that freedom. Father, for yes. we know no matter what happens, that mm -hmm. one day we'll be free from these bodies, we'll be yes. free from the power of sin. And Amen. Father, we'll have no more pain and no more sorrow. Amen. What a day that will be. Amen. Father, we do pray for our country. It's in terrible yes. shape tonight. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That is the only remedy of our country. Mm -hmm. Amen. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Father, we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. We ask that you would bless them. We ask that you would be with our military. Yes. Father, around the world, protect them. Father, mm -hmm. we need your help tonight. Yes. Father, we are, we are a country that is so needful of your hand yes. and your working. Mm -hmm. just, just work in our country tonight. Be yes. with Pastor as he preaches. Yes. Give him the words to say. Give us yes. hearts that are receptive to your word. Mm -hmm. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's turn to Revelation chapter 4. We'll read verses 1 and 2. Revelation 4, verses 1 and 2. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne." We could be closer to that verse 1 than we realize tonight. So close. Well, in the spiritual calendar, we're looking for that catching away of the church, the rapture. And then after that, we're looking at the judgment seat of Christ, a place where all Christians will stand. And we will be judged, everyone, according to our works. Remember, that has nothing to do with salvation. That was already settled but our works will depend upon our heavenly rewards. We've been seeing, number one, a crown of righteousness is available for us. Number two, a crown of life. And number three, tonight, a crown of rejoicing. A crown of rejoicing. If you'd go with me, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's read verses 19 and 20. 1 Thessalonians 2:19 For what is our hope or what is, or joy or what crown of rejoicing are not even who ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming for what ye are our glory and joy 
So verse 19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. So what a, what a great crown to be able to see others there that we've had a small part in sowing the seed and praying for and seeing them come to the Savior. The Bible describes that as a crown of rejoicing. This is this is, is not a crown of gold. This is uh, flesh. And of course, and in that day, it's going to be glorified body, a spiritual body. But that uh, the Apostle Paul looks at as the crown of rejoicing. So every one of us can have this crown. If we pray for souls, if we labor sowing the seed, um, if we give toward God's work, we can all rejoice in that crown of rejoicing. That is people in heaven as a result of our prayers, our labor, our giving. Notice in John chapter 4, John chapter 4, what a joy um, that will be. John chapter 4 and verse 35. Let's read 35 through 39. So John 4, 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may what? Rejoice together. There's just something about people coming to Christ that brings us great joy, great rejoicing. So verse 36, we'll talk about a little bit more in a moment. But verse 37, and herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed what? No labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. Let's go back to verse 36 here. Joy, as I said, joy or rejoicing is in the scripture is often associated with people getting right with God, with people getting saved. Um, and we have to, well, let's read verse 36 again. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That what? Both he that soweth and he that reapeth may what? Rejoice together. So whether we are sowing the seed or reaping the harvest, um, we should rejoice together. Um, sometimes, sometimes people get puffed up when they get to pick the harvest. Uh, sometimes people get puffed up and think they're more important than the people who are sowing the seed. We have to be aware because that is simply sinful pride. A, spiritual, a truly spiritual person will not think more highly of himself than others and will realize what Jesus told his disciples here and will rejoice together. Um, they're just, I've just heard so much pride in that area in preaching and we need to go by what Jesus says here. Uh, verse 37 says, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, and herein is that saying true. So there was a saying. 
The saying is this, one soweth and another reapeth. In other words, one person sows the seed, but someone else comes along and reaps it. And Jesus is confirming that saying is true. One soweth and another reapeth. So let's think with me a moment on that. In the springtime, imagine that you go out, <clears throat> still kind of cool, but you go out and you start tilling up the ground where the garden's going to be. You, uh, you weather the cold, you do it. Um, but then maybe in a couple weeks, um, you go back out to that tilled ground and now you may add some fertilizer of one sort uh, or another to it to fertilize the ground. And then you till it again. And then you might plant something, something really early. Uh, my grandpa Austin used to say, um, late potatoes are bug potatoes. And he, would, he told me, he said, back in his day, they would plant potatoes as soon as the frost was out of the ground. Because he said, the later you plant potatoes, uh, the more bugs you're going to have. So he said that's the way they used to do it. So there are some things in your garden you plant really early. And then, of course, other things can't take the cold, so you plant them a little bit later. But suppose you're doing all this. You're tilling the ground. Um, you're adding the labor of the fertilizer, or the compost, whatever you're using. Uh, and then you are planting. Um, and then you're trying to keep the weeds away from what you planted. And then as you go week by week, you're planting different things and then trying to keep it weeded throughout this, the whole season. You're trying to keep the weeds down. You're trying to keep it well watered. And then suppose, suppose uh, parents ask little brother to come out and pick some of those things. And you're going to a family gathering of some sort. And so you, you're going to share the bounty with the family. And so little brother brings out those different things, you know, whether it's whether it's green beans or a little later melons or a little later sweet corn. And suppose your relatives just, oh, wow, where did you get these? From the garden. Uh, we planted it ourselves. Wow. Boy, you really did a good job. But suppose little brother never did any tilling, never did any weeding, never did any watering but gladly took all the glory from the family for the harvest. Yeah, I picked this myself. Oh, wow, you really worked hard, didn't you? I mean, you're thinking in your mind, but I tilled the ground, but I weeded. All he did is go out and pick the harvest that I was the one that made possible for him. Um, and that's kind of the way it is when someone picks the spiritual harvest and they don't think about anyone else who's prayed for that person. They don't think about anyone else who's uh, sowed some salt in that person's life, some scripture, some gospel tracts, some, some words, some conversations, maybe even some Bible studies, maybe some phone calls. Um, they don't take into account anyone that maybe uh, paid for, for some gospel literature to, to be printed and sent to that person. All they're basking in is they got to pick the fruit. Well, um, verse 38, Jesus tells his disciples, 
I sent you to reap that whereon ye what? Bestowed no labor. What does it say then? Other men labored, and ye are entered into what? Their labors. You know, the disciples would see thousands of people say, oh, how we would love to see what the disciples saw. Um, notice with me in Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and it's still possible, still possible to happen. Acts 2, 41, the Bible says, Then they that gl gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about what? 3,000 souls. When we started to work and it came time to baptize, we didn't have a baptistry. And so I had an uncle that had a swimming pool. And so we got permission from him to use a swimming pool. And in that first baptism, I think we baptized seven people. And he says, wow, I've never seen so many people baptized at one time. Seven. Look, think of here, 3,000. Wonder, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a day where we could baptize 3,000 people? Wow, how wonderful. Look at chapter 4 and verse 4. Chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word, what? Believed. And the number of the men was about what? 5,000. 5,000. Think of all these protest rallies like it's in Washington, D.C. and other large cities where there's just thousands of people gathered. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see 3,000 or 5,000 people saved? Well, the disciples did. Uh, but if we remind ourselves uh, what he said in John 4, if we go back there for a moment, John 4, 38. John 4, 38. I had a guy say to me once, he said, he says, he says, I'm looking for a church like the early New Testament church, that the thousands getting saved. And, okay, I would love that too. Just remember verse 38, John 4, 38. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored. And ye are entered into their labors. So the Lord's giving the disciples word here. Listen, guys, you're going to see great things, but not because of your labor. It's going to be because of other people's labor. So just remember that and stay humble. So a crown of rejoicing. Um, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And verse 1, Philippians 4, 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my what? Joy and crown. Well, what is, Paul, what is your joy and crown? My brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So once again, it's people that have gotten saved. Paul looked at them as his joy and crown. Uh, notice in Luke chapter 15, new life brings such joy. 
Such rejoicing, not only on earth, on earth, but also in heaven. In Luke chapter 15, and let's read 4 through 7. Luke 15, 4 through 7. Jesus says, What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise, what? Joy shall be where? In heaven. Over who? One sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So there's going to be joy in heaven over one person who repents. One person. Uh, we heard Sunday that a, this man in Taiwan in Baltimore, Maryland, received the Lord as a Savior after reading the, the gospel track, Which Way? And, and we rejoiced in it. But before we rejoiced in it, heaven was rejoicing because heaven knew about it before we did, before we got the word back. So joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. There's just something about souls coming to Christ that gives great joy. Then notice verse 8. We'll read 8 through 10. Either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of who? The angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So there's rejoicing in heaven, but not just with God and not just the saints who are in heaven, but even the angels rejoice when a person repents down here and gets saved. So Jesus goes on then to give a story of sadness, of rebellion, but then of rejoicing because the person turned to Christ. Verse 11, let's read 11 through 24. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So a sad story so far. This young man is saying, in effect, Dad, I just can't wait until you die. I want my money now. I want my half of the, the inheritance now. Actually, it would have been a third because the firstborn would get a double portion. So. But he, would, he wanted his money now. And you might think, well, wow, if I had a child that said that to me, I think I'd just tell him, I'm writing you right out of the will now. Now you're not getting anything. But this father knew that if he did that, it wouldn't help him come to Christ and so he, he gave him, he wanted his money, he gave it to him. Verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with a husk, 
that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When you come to the bottom of the barrel, you find out that the world really doesn't care about you. Verse 17, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Yes, the man he despised, his own father. The one that he didn't, he couldn't wait till he died. Just give me my money, Dad. Now he's saying, you know what? I remember back with my dad. I guess I was kind of blind back then. Because now I see that my dad treats his hired help better than I'm being treated right now. Maybe there's more to the Christian home that I should have appreciated than I did. Verse 18, And I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned, what? Against heaven and what? Before thee. Boy, this boy got it. Now he's getting it. He saw he'd sinned against God first and foremost. I've sinned against heaven and against thee and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. <clears throat> Excuse me, make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Oh, well, verses 18 and 19 then are just rolling through his head. In other words, verses 18 and 19 were, it was like, you know what I really should do is go back and say this to my dad. I should acknowledge my sin. I should acknowledge that I've sinned against heaven and my dad and and then I should just tell him, make me as one of your hired servants. But that was just in his mind. How many, how many people have thought in their minds, well, I, I should make this right with this person or that, but I should make this right with my parents, or I should make this right with my siblings, or I should make this right with my boss or whoever. But it never goes any further than that, because then they think, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. But notice in verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. So he actually did it. But when, his, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Right now, the son could have thought, oh, you know, I thought about saying all those things, but I don't need to do that. Look at the way my dad is gushing over me. He ran to meet me. He should have sat in the house and ignored me. He should have made me knock a long time. And then he should have opened the door just a tiny crack. What do you want? Why did you come back home? What do you want from me now? Do you want more money, son? Well, you're not getting it. Slam. No. He runs, he sees him and runs, falls on his neck and kisses him. He doesn't come up and say, kiss my feet. He kisses his son. But notice, so we've, we have, we've had two choice times here the son could back out. When he, when he got done thinking all these thoughts about, oh, I should do this and I should do that. And then he actually got up and went. That was one. Now seeing his dad gush all over him, he could have scratched the whole plan, but no. Verse 21, he actually goes through with it. And the son said unto him, Father, 
I have sinned against who? Heaven and in thy sight. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the what? Best robe and put it on him. And put what? A ring in his hand. That wasn't just for jewelry in this case. That'd be authority. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and what? Be married. There's just, just the joy when someone gets right with God. Verse 24, for this my son was dead and is what? Alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be what? Mary. He didn't say a word about all the money that he had lost. Not a word. He was just happy, happy that his boy had gotten saved. Wanted to get right with God and wanted to get right with his daddy. Um, so we can have that same crown of rejoicing if we pray, if we labor, if we give, we can all be a part of this rejoicing of souls getting saved. The prayer part, let's look at Luke 10. Luke 10, God asked us to pray. Are we praying this prayer? Luke 10, 2. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Then what does he tell us to do about it? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. There, why did God tell us to pray to him to send forth people for the harvest? Why, why didn't he just do it himself? Why, why is he waiting for us to pray? Well, I think one reason is because if we pray for laborers for the harvest, you can't pray that prayer on and on and on without thinking, well, God, do you want me? What part do you want me to be in the harvest, whether it be at home or abroad? There's, there's no way to sincerely pray that prayer, verse 2, without saying, Lord, here I am. Send me wherever you want, here, abroad. I will be one of your laborers. Send me. So there's... The sowing of the seed, there's um, the prayer, um, there's the giving to our, notice in Philippians 4, Philippians chapter 4, and verse 15, Philippians 4, 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, what? No church communicated with me as concerning what? Giving and receiving, but who? Ye only. So many times where there's missionaries have a need and it's got brought up in a business meeting. Well, is any other church given toward it? Sometimes maybe yes. Many times when that question is brought up, no. And so... The church sent the need, the whole, the whole amount the missionary needed. Paul had the same thing happen. No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once, and what? And again, 
unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire what? Fruit that may abound to what? Your account. I didn't get the chance to read the whole thing, but Brother Cloud sent out a, uh, a news note today and uh, about C.T. Studd, a great missionary of years gone by. and um, Maybe you read the whole thing and maybe you already know the story, but I just read just a little portion of it where um, he was getting married, I believe, and he had set aside an amount of money uh, for his wife to take care of his wife uh, if something should happen. And... Uh, and if I read it correctly, when he did that, just gave her that amount. She just gave it all to the Lord. And she said, made the statement something like, we need to start out our marriage zero on zero and just trust the Lord. Thought, wow, that was a woman of great faith. That was a, like, like a Sarah, huh? Um, but so giving. Um, it should never be a burden for us to give. God wants us to give with a cheerful heart and willing, a willing and cheerful heart. Um, notice with me then about the sowing in Psalm 126. Psalm 126. So we, we can have this crown of rejoicing if we pray, if we give. If we sow the seed. Psalm 126. Psalm 126, verse 5. They that sow in tears shall what? Reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing what? Precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. There's that word again, with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves what? with him. Paul is looking at that. In the day of the Lord's coming, you will be my crown of rejoicing. He's, he's talking about other Christians, those who have gotten saved. Um, who knows how many sheaves are going to be in the field one day when, you, when we are caught up to be with the Lord. How many of those people will we have had just a, a part in because we prayed, because we gave, because we sowed the seed whenever we could. That what, what a wonderful crown of rejoicing. And I would dare say that one would outdo all the other gold ones because people are more precious than gold. And may the Lord help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that each one of us tonight can have that crown of rejoicing. Seeing people come to you because of prayer, because of giving, because of sowing the seed. And Lord, we, we do want to be a part of your great work. So Lord, help us in the rest of this week, Lord, help us to seek out opportunities, thinking, thinking ahead one day of that crown of rejoicing that we will have. Bless in our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to 429.